For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and on today's podcast, we continue our series previewing the various position groups for the Atlanta Falcons going into the 2021 season. Joining me for this podcast today are two of our favorites. Uh, first of all, she is my regular co-host during the season uh, on the Falcoholic Podcast, the one and only, the forever Mal Online, Gina Kelly. Gina, how are you doing? Well, David, I am Matt online, so pretty, pretty normal <laughs> over here. <laughs> How uh, are you? Least, uh, good. At least that part of the universe hasn't gone sideways on us. Um, yes, consistency matters. It does, uh, especially these days. Uh, joining us is the one and only, um, the the lead editor at the Falcoholic, the Falcoholic himself, Dave Cho. Dave, how you doing? Well, I just saw Devonte Freeman say that he's a Saints fan, so I am conflicted. <laughs> that is also why I'm mad online. Yeah. So we yeah. have that in common. I, I feel like Devonte completely forgot the whole uh, Sean Payton choking thing that happened several years ago. <sighs> I didn't forget. I don't think any of us forgot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a paycheck is a paycheck, and I suppose that uh, you want to make sure that the fans that you used to uh, compete against uh, and whose safety, uh, whose hip you broke uh, by juking him out of his own body, uh, you want to make sure that you, you approach them initially <laughs> in the right way. It's, <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about running back because the position group we are talking about for the Falcons today is running back, and Devontae Freeman is not part of that conversation. Um, no, he is not. And hasn't been for a while. So let's talk about the guys who are here because this is an interesting group. <laughs> um, yes. This one is, uh, you know, we talked uh, in previous podcasts about all the other offensive position groups. This is the one I think you could argue has a lot of uh, it, a, a low floor, but a high ceiling. Like this one could be wide variance in what we get this year. There's a lot of hope that uh, Arthur Smith is going to run an offense that is more sensible from a running standpoint, that is uh, you know, more efficient than what we saw under Dirk Cutter, who had one of the worst uh, uh, rushing offenses in the league in his time in Atlanta. Um, but it's going to depend on the talent. I want to start at the top, the guy who we signed in free agency for a two-year contract. One of the only um, contracts that was longer than a year. So that's, that is something that's notable. 
Um, Mike Davis came over from the Carolina Panthers, where we saw him a good bit last year. Really his first time getting significant snaps ever in the NFL um, due to the injury to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Mike Davis was essentially their starter last year. Uh, so, Dave, I'm, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, Mike Davis, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, the fact that he's 28 has really, like, really minor, uh, you know, uh, history as far as, you know, playing in, in the league and uh, has really low tread uh, as far as running backs go. Uh, how are you feeling about him being the lead back? And, and do you feel like he is an upgrade a parallel with what we had last year? Or do you feel like he's uh, maybe even less than what we, we trotted into the 2020 season? I feel like he's an upgrade. Um, you know, I know I wrote about this back in the spring when they first signed him, but it was a signing that, you know, on first glance, I was like, it makes sense. I understand why they did it. And then I started going back and watching him and looking at some of his non-surface level numbers, you know, like what is he doing? Um, what, what kind of yardage is he picking up after contact, um, which is a good indication of a, how your blocking's faring, and B, how you are as a runner in terms of your physicality and ability to keep going. And I really liked what I saw. I think that, you know, the appeal for Davis in Atlanta is really easy to understand. He's, he's very affordable. Um, you know, he is a physical runner. He's good at catching the ball out of the backfield, so he's pretty versatile that way. And as you said, he doesn't have much tread on the tire. I don't believe he has a 200 uh carry season maybe not even a 200 touch season thus far in the nfl so yeah even though he's 28 years old you're looking at a guy who should have fresh legs for a year or two which is you know what you're really looking for from him i think there are other guys we'll talk about later who who might become bigger pieces of the rotation in 2022 and beyond um but for a guy who is set to be sort of the lead of a backfield where he won't be you know derrick henry because there is no Derrick Henry in Atlanta, as people are fond of reminding us. You know, <laughs> he is yeah, very fond of reminding us. Um, he's exactly the kind of guy you would expect this team to target um, with Terry Fontenot as the GM and with Arthur Smith, as the head coach, saying, who's a guy that we can get on the cheap that we like? And, and I think, again, if you look at what he did in Carolina last year, where the offensive line was not terrific, Christian McCaffrey was down, Passing game was up and down. There were some injuries there. Team overall was not great. You know, he really did a great job of, you know, picking up extra yards after initial contact. Um, and he's somebody who he might not be super shifty, but you know, when you hit him, he's going to keep going. And mm-hmm. The Falcons, of course, have their own questions along the offensive line. And Arthur Smith is coming over from a team where he was used to having one of the most physical backs in the league and a guy who unsurprisingly led the league in that particular metric, you know, yards after contact. Mike Davis, I think, was fourth in the NFL last year. So this is a guy who you, you see it when you watch him. You see it when you take a look at the numbers. He's just a good fit for this offense, and I think he's going to have a really good year so long as he stays healthy um, in that lead role. The big question for me is never having had like a 300-touch workload in the NFL in a season before, what does that look like? you know, over the course of 17 games for him and, and how much are they going to yeah. have to rely on some of their other options? Yep. 17, not 16, um, which, it, you know, we point that out, but that actually matters for running backs. Um, key stat I want to point out career rushing attempts for Mike Davis, 412 Derek Henry in 2020, 378. Um, so Mike Davis had over his entire career, 
just a handful more uh, carries than what Derrick Henry had in one season last year with Arthur Smith. I do not think we're to your point. I don't think we're going to see that. Um, and you know, frankly, Davis is a better receiver. Uh, he had 59 receptions last year for Carolina for 373 yards. Uh, so he's, he's actually a fairly good receiver out of the backfield. Um, Gina, you know, we have heard a lot uh, of people say, Oh, well, Arthur Smith doesn't have his Derrick Henry. Um, does Mike Davis need to be Derrick Henry Yeah, in Atlanta? I feel like that that is an overstated point when we go into the season. Um, yeah, I don't think that he does. And, you know, one thing I do just want to kind of piggyback off of what Dave was saying, another metric where Davis did lead the NFL last year was broken tackles with 21, which is also very impressive. Also, this man has quads that probably deserve their own spot on the depth chart. So, um, you know, <laughs> he, I, I, so I don't think that he needs to be Derrick Henry, but I think that he does. I think that his skill set is pretty much ideal for what the Falcons are going to need from him. Um, and the fact that he's an affordable player that they were able to lock him up given their salary cap challenges. Um, I think that, you know, that's obviously a factor here, but yeah, I don't think that he has to be Derrick Henry, but we do have to see some actual production out of the running back group this year. That's something that the team has really struggled with over the past few years. And so I think that adding Mike Davis to the mix definitely puts them in a better position to do that. Yeah. And it's rare that you find a player that's 28 running back that has so few carries, but yet is uh, a, a rel relatively accomplished player. You know, obviously we're not getting in a guy that's a, a that we're expecting to be a pro bowler or, any, or anything of the mm -hmm. sort, uh, but he should at minimum be a, a quality part of a rotation. Uh, I think if, if Mike Davis ends up getting, you know, 350 carries in my mind, something has probably either gone really, really well or really, really wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think he'll probably uh, pass 200 carries this year. I don't know if he'll get to 300. It's a lot is going to depend on uh, the rest of the offense, the, the development of Kyle Pitts, the, the wide receivers. And frankly, you know, we're sort of guessing what Arthur Smith wants to do with the personnel in Atlanta. I don't think he's going to do the same thing he did necessarily in Tennessee, where he did have one of the best running backs in football. Uh, he just simply doesn't have that here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he accommodates for that. Um, but I, it sounds like we all agree that Mike Davis is going to be at this point, the lead back, even if it's part of a rotation. Mm -hmm. the, the next player I want to bring up because um, his stats over the past two years have been interesting. Um, in 2019 as a rookie uh, drafted in the fifth round by the Falcons, he had 22 carries for 50 yards for four touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, that's a, a, a 2.3 uh, yards per attempt, which is not great, but I guess the four touchdowns is, you know, uh, fantastic. If, if you're that random person in fantasy that snatched this guy as a starter for whatever reason. Um, and then 2020, he literally played in three games. He had one carry for three yards. Um, I'm, of course, talking about Falcons draft pick, uh, Quadri Olison, who is he is the biggest back uh, on this team. He's six foot one. And I, I say that Cordero Patterson, who's technically being listed as a running back, is more of an offensive weapon, uh, mm -hmm. is, a, is an inch taller. But Quadri Olison is six foot one, 232 pounds. Um, 
And the word we're getting in camp, Gina, is that this guy's getting a lot of reps and he is right now, it looks like the number two running back in the rotation, maybe even ahead of, you know, the other free agent signing in Cordero Patterson. Um, are we getting ahead of ourselves with Olison? Obviously, his first two years have been just a complete dud. But part of me wants to say the coaching staff before didn't know what they had in him, maybe, or yes. Dirk Cutter didn't know. What, what's your take on Olison and, and why or why shouldn't we uh, keep an eye on him as a potential rotational guy that actually gets meaningful snaps this year? Yeah, I love to remind people of the fact that Dirk Cutter thought it was a good idea to throw fades to Jacob to Jaquez Rogers in the end zone. <laughs> so I think that it's a fair expectation um, to assume that Cutter did not know how to use Allison. I think that it's really encouraging that he's been getting so much work with the first team. Um, I do think that this team is going to deploy a rotation at running back. And I do think that Allison stands to be a big part of that rotation. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about his potential here. And just also, you know, pairing him with a play caller who knows what they are doing would <laughs> be, you know, should be a boost for his productivity. But yeah, I think that he's probably going to be slotted in as, at that number two spot. Um, Patterson, I, I agree with you. I think that they're going to use him in a lot of ways. He's more of a Swiss Army knife type of player. And so I think we'll see him contributing on special teams in the passing game and in the run game. But I think that my expectation right now is that it's going to be Mike Davis and then Allison um, in those first two spots. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you agree with that? Uh, Allison, I think, is one of the most confounding uh, of the running backs that are uh, competing for a roster spot. And uh, he certainly has a, a very weird history with the Falcons. Is this the year he turns around? Yeah, I, I've been struggling with that one a little bit because, you know, on one hand, um, you know, Cutter, we know, mismanages his running backs. That's been a theme in Atlanta since he was here the first time. Um, and Steven Jackson, obviously, late in his career, didn't have much success. Um, certainly, the blocking wasn't up to snuff. But with Allison, it, it's, you know, I have to balance it against. There are several fans who message me pretty re uh, regularly who say, you know, Allison is definitely going to be the lead back here. He's great. He's just been held back by the coaching staff. He's going to step in here and, and be a starter. And yeah, no, there's, there's a, a very dedicated Allison contingent. And I, you know, I think he's certainly good enough to be part of this rotation. I was a little baffled last year with that team falling apart in so many ways that he could not get onto the field. Um, but I, I think the early signs are positive for him. I think what's going to be good to see is how does he fare in game situations? Because I think he's going to be at, in at least one or two of these preseason games, he's going to be their de facto lead back. You're not going right. to see much Mike Davis. You're not going to see much Cordero Patterson. It's going to be him, Huntley, and JV and Hawkins playing a lot. And so if he's still running well and, and catching the ball well, like he is in camp, in those full contact situations against, you know, unfamiliar defenders and so forth. I, I'm all the way bought in, but I, I, I think based on what we've seen from him so far, based on sort of what we knew about him coming out of college, he's a good fit for this offense. Um, and I think that he will end up spelling Davis at least a fair amount, because again, I don't know if Davis is going to be through 17 games, you know, a 20, 20 carries a game guy. Um, 
or if that's what the Falcons even want to be doing in the first place. So right. I do like his chances. I, I don't know if he'll be considered the number two or the number three. I guess it depends on how much they want to use Patterson as a runner, which is something I'm, I'm not sure we're going to have a beat on until the regular season. But he's definitely somebody I see, you know, making this roster, having a role. And I think really just the question over the next few weeks is how impressive can he be and how big a role can he really grab a hold of? Yeah, he's, in my mind, of all the guys we're talking about today, he is the biggest wild card. He could be, you know, maybe he lives up to that uh, contingent that thinks he's the, the true starter. Uh, and maybe he ends up repeating what he's done his first two years. Like, I, I feel like that's the potential here. Either complete bust or, uh, you know, the potential to really uh, have a big season. So, um, and I think what is important here, he has two years left on his rookie deal. So, it is, and it's a cheap rookie deal because he's a fifth rounder. Um, the Falcons may be thinking about this from the standpoint of, uh, you know, this is the kind of guy that if if he can hit, um, you've got him for one more year, uh, and you know, as part of a rotation, and as opposed to having to draft another guy uh, a year from now. So uh, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see with Allison. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the guys that are going to help round out the running back position. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I am joined by Gina Kelly and Dave Choate. We were talking about the running back position going into the Falcons' 2021 season. We've talked about the two guys that are presumably at the, the top of the depth chart, Mike Davis, Quadri Olison. Now let's talk about some of the guys behind them. And I want to start with a guy we mentioned him in the first half of the podcast, Corderell Patterson. Uh, obviously, he was brought in primarily for his special teams prowess, but he is listed as a running back. Um, he was somewhat used as a running back last year uh, with Chicago. Uh, he did come into the league as a wide receiver. Uh, he is not a particularly accomplished wide receiver, which is why I think um, it's best to sort of label him an offensive weapon. Um, So Dave, what's your take on Patterson? Is he actually going to have much of a role on the offense? Do you feel like Arthur Smith is going to find a way to use him? Um, Or is he primarily a special teams guy? Uh, What's what role do you see for him as a quote unquote running back? Yeah, I think he'll have a role. I, I think if you look at the the way this offense is going to be structured, you know, Dave Ragone is the offensive coordinator. Um, it was under Dave Ragone in Chicago that, um, 
you know, Patterson had easily his most carries in a season last year um, with 64 and was still, you know, a lightly used receiver. So I, I fully expect that, you know, the Falcons went out and spent $3 million for Cordell Patterson. Sure, they love his kick returns, but we also know the kick returns are not maybe the priority that they used to be for most teams, like having that really high-end returner. And I think it's really Patterson's versatility that appealed to them. They can maybe keep five wide receivers and have him be the de facto six guy and right. still have him in the mix at running back. So, I, you know, I am curious to see how frequently they're going to use him. That, to me, is the big unknown. But I, I think if you're looking at, like, 40 to 50 carries this year, I can absolutely see that happening for Patterson. I think he is, you know, he's fast, he's big, he's surprisingly physical and just because he has been a wide receiver most of his career does not mean they're not going to get inventive with him. Um, and I think if you look at the way Arthur Smith has talked about how excited he is for Kyle Pitts, you know, a little bit about how Hayden Hurst might move around the formation. It, it's logical to me to assume that it's not just going to be tight end that they try to do some interesting things with. Mm-hmm. And Patterson is, you know, maybe not a chess piece because I don't expect him to be used quite that frequently to, to warrant that label, but I do think he's going to end up being, you know, the second or third running back in terms of carries, probably third um, when the dust settles on the season. So I, I think he'll have that role. Yeah. Um, Gina, in one of our previous podcasts, I had talked to, I think, Will McFadden about a potential lineup where you have uh, Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst as your tight ends, um, Calvin Ridley and Tajay Sharp, who is a uh, six foot three, six foot four uh, wide receiver, and then Cordero Patterson in the backfield. And uh, it would be sort of a jumbo uh, tall set, if you will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With Patterson being, you know, uh, six foot two, I think he's, you know, six two, six three, depending on uh, what site you look at. Um, do you feel like he's going to be uh, someone that uh, our new offensive coordinator, our new head coach, Arthur Smith, is going to try to use creatively in sets like that, where he can try to use him to sort of overwhelm the offense with size or with speed? Yeah, I mean, it seems like an ideal scenario. And so I'm really excited to see how Smith does use him. Um, You know, Patterson is a really versatile player. He's not a guy who's going to put up like a thousand rushing yards or a whole ton of receiving yards. But I think he's somebody who can be really effective as a receiver out of the backfield. Um, And then again, like, I'm excited to see what he does on special teams. It's been a really long time since the Falcons have had a dynamic returner. And so very excited about that too. But as far as the running back position, I think that um, his versatility gives Arthur Smith a lot of options with him on the field. Yeah. And I think that's where what Dave mentioned just a second ago, uh, we could easily see the team sort of whittle down to just five wide receivers as opposed to the six that they mm-hmm. traditionally carry. And he would be slotted in as that, you know, another guy that uh, could potentially be deployed as that quote unquote sixth wide receiver. Um, yeah. Because he has, again, special teams value uh, as a returner. Yes. So, um, yeah, this is the kind of guy I think you want to get the ball in his hands, uh, however. Uh, whatever it takes as a receiver, as a special teams guy, as a running back, you just want to put the ball in his hands and see what happens. Um, He's that kind Mm -hmm. of, kind of threat. Like you said, we haven't had that probably uh, arguably since Devin Hester was with the Falcons for that short stint Um, was the last time we had a returner that had, you know, the ability to sort of change a game um, out of uh, in the return game. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, 
All right, last two guys, uh, probably not a lot to say here, but it's an interesting battle that they're rounding out the roster. It seems unlikely that both guys are going to make it. So it's sort of, at this point, I think going to be the battle to watch for running back. And that is the two undrafted guys, Javian Hawkins, Caleb Huntley. Um, Hawkins has a lot of hype behind him. He is a small but very shifty back, super productive in his time at Louisville. Uh, Caleb Huntley out of Ball State, uh, again, you know, good college career, uh, a bigger back. He's, he's 5'10", uh, Hawkins is 5'9", but Huntley is 229 uh, as opposed to Javon yeah. Hawkins, which is 195. Um, so, Gina, we've, you know, our own Kevin Knight uh, had, uh, uh, I can't remember the guy, uh, Thor from uh, NBC Sports Online. And yeah, he, nice for him. Yeah, and he, he said basically Hawkins was his favorite uh, undrafted free agent of the entire draft class, like the number one guy. Um, do you feel like that he's got the odds right now to sort of carve out that fourth running back role? Uh, or is it still a toss-up in, in the vein of, you know, what Arthur Smith has been saying about having competition? Um, you know, I think that at this point in camp, it's way too early to really say definitively what I think is going to happen here. Now, just looking objectively at Hawkins and Huntley's college performance, one, Louisville is a stronger program and yeah. Hawkins was, you know, significantly more productive than Huntley last year. Um, and I don't know, like off the top of my head, I don't know how many games Ball State played. I don't know if, you know, COVID maybe shortened their season and he didn't have as many opportunities uh, to to get the ball in his hands and make plays with it. But just, you know, looking at the numbers, Hawkins has been so productive. And I think the fact that he is very, very fast and um, like what Kevin said about him, he's a one cut speedster who's a home run threat on every carry. Right. And that to me, <laughs> that tells me that he's a guy that I really want to keep an eye on during the preseason. Um, I think that once we get in the preseason games, we'll have a much better idea of how the running back, like the bottom of the depth chart is going to shake out. But he is a guy that I'm Hawkins is a guy that I'm very, very much looking forward to watching in preseason. Yeah, the same here. Um, Dave, what are your thoughts on Hawkins and Huntley? And, and if you think there is a favorite between the two right now? Yeah, I think Hawkins is probably the favorite. A lot of people have pointed out, um, certainly Hawkins has a number of fans, which is understandable given his skill set, um, his fit with this offense, and just being an interesting and humble guy. I really liked Evan Birchfield's interview with him where he was asking him, do you have a chip on your shoulder because you're, you're an undrafted guy? And he was like, no, I, I just know I have a lot to work on, which is a great attitude to have coming in when you're trying to earn a role. So it's hard not to like Hawkins, but it's also hard not to like his chances of making the roster because there is no other back on this team that has like that kind of deep speed. Um, certainly Patterson is right. a threat if you get him into the open field, but like Hawkins is that home run threat that every backfield should have. And he is the only guy they currently have around who fits the bill there. So, you know, once the pads go on, once we start seeing him in preseason, if he looks even pretty good um you know falcons would be foolish to risk potentially losing him we know baltimore was interested in him too he confirmed that mm -hmm. in his interview so right you would take the chance of losing him i think he's way too talented to lose so i, I have him making the roster and it's like the rest of this backfield it's, it's kind of jumbled can he have a big first year role certainly think the talent's there but I, I think there's enough quality guys on this offense too that he probably won't start out with a major one 
Huntley, yeah. um, you know, good fit as a, as a physical runner too. I, I can see the Falcons kind of going into the season with the group of running backs they have on the roster in some way, shape or form. I, I do, I do like Huntley for a practice squad slot um, as long as he continues to do well this summer. So we'll see how that looks, but I, I do think that Hawkins being sort of unique in this backfield in terms of what he brings to the table is a big deal for him. And it's going to help him make the roster. Yeah. And we're not that far away from seeing these guys um, in one of the three preseason games, not four. Uh, we only get three this year. And I imagine that JV and, and Caleb are going to see a large number of snaps, especially if Quadri uh, begins to separate himself and show that he does deserve, um, you know, to be one of the top two guys. Uh, I, I've got to imagine Hawkins and Huntley are going to be the two guys we're going to see a ton of uh, in the preseason game. So we'll get a good feel for, you know, who is really making a run. You know, th- there was a name that popped in my head not that long ago that I think people uh, sort of underestimated what he was doing in camp at, in the time that he was with the Falcons, but he ended up carving out a decent role for himself uh, in that uh, Kyle Shanahan timeframe. And that was Teron Ward who, you know, wasn't necessarily, you know, physically impressive from a speed and and, uh, standpoint, but he was really consistent and he had a decent run with the Falcons. It wasn't very long, but he, he carved out a role and it sort of came out of nowhere. And, you know, I could see potentially between Hawkins and Huntley, you know, one of those two guys doing something similar where uh, they contribute a higher, a higher level than you would reasonably expect. So uh, very interesting to see what happens with these two guys. All right, that is the running back position for the Falcons. Obviously, this position, I think, is maybe one of the more apt ones where we could see some additional guys brought in as uh, the preseason, as training camp continues. Uh, So we'll certainly keep an eye on that and update uh, any changes on the roster, of course, at thefalcoholic.com. So on that note, Dave, why don't you start us off and remind our listeners where they can find you and what you've got going on. If I could find the mute button, I would do that for you. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, so you can find us, me at the Falcoholic on Twitter um, and obviously on the site where we're writing almost exclusively about training camp. It's nice to have some Falcons football to be excited about after what I think was a very long and, and not always exciting offseason. So um, big focus is going to be on training camp, roster battles, um, sort of building through that. And I think we'll have some great stuff for you in terms of conversations with some of the undrafted free agents. Um, and certainly our soon to be wrong projections for the 53 man roster. So stay tuned for those. <laughs> forever wrong, but forever fun. Um, that, that should be the motto of the Falcoholic. Um, Gina, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas and keep an eye out on SBNation.com and all of our team sites across our network. We've got a handful of like really fun projects league-wide that we're working on as we get closer to the season. So we're going to have some great preview content, um, some great content about what different NFL teams are doing in their communities, things like that. So really fun stuff. Keep an eye out for that. Excellent. Uh, as for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Gina Kelly and Dave Choate, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.